0: instrument rating versus a night rating, can you taxi an aircraft a night without a night rating, and instrument approach currency, can you do it in the daytime VFR? I'm going to answer all this and more coming right up, so strap in and let's get into it. Semi-star, 90,000, 1013, kf Coordinating, hail (laughs) on a mother, bank, balance, bank pressure, rolling at 30 degrees, that's 30 degrees there. Oh, that's G'day, everyone, and welcome to episode 107 of Flight Training Australia. From Longreach to Learmonth, Lake Grace to Lake Avella, and everywhere in between, this is the podcast all about flight training and flying in Australia and beyond. I'm your host, Trent Robinson. G'day, and welcome to another episode. Oh, wow. Big week. Heaps went on last week. Um, Had my birthday, so thank you, everybody, who sent messages and uh, poked fun at me getting older. But uh, had a great day dodging storms and uh, flying with people. So can't think of a better day than that, apart from just having it off. And uh, what else? Well, yep, I ran into Chloe. So Chloe Fambleton's doing her solo trip around Australia and uh, elected to stay in Catherine just due to the weather. I was speaking to a, a support team the day before and it was all doable and lovely. And then as luck would have it, The next day was exactly what can happen, but you just don't know until you wake up and uh, full of storms and weather and everything else. So she got on an Air North flight and uh, came and uh, visited us up here. We uh, went and have a look at the air traffic control tower up in Darwin and uh, got shown around by James and the team, which is fantastic, and then showed around Pespali, had a look at the Mallard, uh, a few of the other operators around Darwin Nice lunch and then a flight in the two hundred and ten. She uh, came along to observe that. So, really great day, and she's now well on her way through Broome down the coast, through Carnarvon and Geraldton, and she should be arriving in Jandicott this week. So uh, keep an eye out for her and go say good day. And she is raising money for the uh, charity Start in Life. So you can check out her website. All the details are in the episode description if you'd just like to see what she's doing. She's on Instagram, et cetera, of course, and you can make a donation. All right, and then later in the week, wow, some storms, hey? Uh, So Jasper doing its thing up there, just devastating uh, Cairns and local areas. They have uh, now since had some 700-odd mils of rain plus, depending on where the banks of the... The barren of broken and localised flooding has now resulted and this is also through the airport. Airport closure, uh, many aircraft have uh, become floating hulls. Uh, Yeah, wow, just so much water. I know a student of mine who is currently several thousand miles, uh, kilometres away is unable to check on his aircraft in a hangar and could very well be submerged or uh, damaged after just spending a lot of money fixing it all. So just devastating stuff there. So I hope everyone is safe ultimately. Uh, but this just goes to show, you know, in these tropical environments, uh, I saw some photos of the, one of the bridges in Cairns and Catherine and up here can be very similar. The water is way, way down. And you just think there's no way. But when all the water flows and then it all feeds into these main arterial waterways, it, it can rise and rise quick and high. And we're talking 18 to 20 meters worth of water, uh, sometimes, which is just incredible. Uh, Archerfield, I'm sure most of you would have seen the storms there as well. The Caravan 172 is flipping over after a uh, freak storm. Well, I guess it's not a freak storm. It's, it's this time of year, these things happen, but it just goes to show these aircraft were tied down as far as I understand. They broke the steel cables, um, Sometimes there's just nothing you can do about it. But it goes to show this time of year, specifically up in the the tropics, the storms can come through thick and fast. And I know we've had the issues up here in Darwin as well where aircraft have not been secured. Uh, The DC-3 went for a bit of a flight last year, very similar thing, big uh, storm with an outflow boundary, microburst and strong winds and and it flew, jumped the chocks. So do make sure that you tie down your aircraft properly and have sufficient tie-downs, of course, with the right materials. Some will say chains, whilst you think they're the strongest, aren't necessarily good for the aircraft. If it does start rocking around, chains have no give at all. Uh, so there's a lot of jerking and uh, potential damage transferred into the, the wing spars and stuff. I don't know the, uh, the facts on that one. Anyone got some uh, scientific evidence, please let me know. But, uh, yeah, tie them down for sure and learn how to do it properly. All right, and then finally, um, thank you to everyone as well. Just mentioned my birthday earlier, but thank you to everyone that did donate. I I uh, went along with the whole suggestion to do a little donation thing that Facebook and Instagram come up with. And so I did choose CareFlight. Um, the same of RFDS, CareFlight do a fantastic job. And as government funded as far as the contracts and things go, but things like a lot of equipment and the helicopters, that sort of stuff, a lot of that is all uh fundraised based. So thank you for those that did donate. That money has gone to um Careflight, I think just today. So well probably Monday, Tuesday anyway, this week. So thank you very, very much for everyone. All right, now finally, um, I just want to make a request and that is to please share, share, share this podcast with all your friends. The reason I say it, and it is a bit of a symptom of the the times, I guess, but I am seeing the same questions asked over and over and over on these Facebook forums and things, and I guess that's just how it is. People don't bother searching anymore. They just sort of type the question and go for it. But, um, you know, so much of uh, the questions that are asked I cover in these episodes or various episodes, sometimes two, three, four times over. There's no doubt that I'll start re-going over some things that I've already done, but there are still a heap of uh, topics that I haven't even touched on yet as well. So please, uh, if you can, support the show by uh, telling everyone about it. I I honestly make this podcast to help you all uh, to spread the local info, to give you access to info that you wouldn't normally get and uh, to hopefully make your lives easier. So I guess it kind of pains me a bit to see people suffering and struggling when uh, the answer's right there um, and, and not necessarily making good decisions or, or decisions based on incorrect information as well, spending a lot of money. So, yeah, grab uh, a mate, let them know, have a listen together, send me a photo, share it farm-wide, and I'll, um, I'll share it myself as well. All right, so enough of that. Let's get into today's episode, and that is a little bit about IFR and night VFR and the differences between it all. A few people have had uh, questions regarding all that, and it has uh, confused people a little bit. So what is the difference between night and clouds? Because really that's what we're talking about here. So the night rating and instrument rating are obviously two distinct qualifications that pilots can get, each serving specific purposes in enhancing a pilot's skills and enhancing their operational capabilities. So as far as their original purpose and focus, a night rating is focused on allowing pilots to operate aircraft during the hours of darkness. It covers aspects such as night navigation, the differences between day and night, visual references in low-light conditions, and understanding the challenges posed by reduced visibility is night. Whereas the instrument rating, on the other hand, is designed to enable pilots to operate in conditions where visibility is limited, sometimes nil, often due to adverse weather, but sometimes just cloudy weather, and it involves proficiency in flying solely by reference to instruments without any reliance on outside visual cues. All right, so what about the operational scope of the two? Well, a night rating, it extends a pilot's privileges to fly during the night under the visual flight rules. So it, this is a key bit, and I'm going to talk about this later, but just remember that word visual. So it does include takeoffs and landings at night, the differences between daytime, on-route navigation, a bit more focus on aids and GNSS support. And the key word here is extend. Again, I'll come back to that later. Instrument rating. It allows pilots to fly in instrument meteorological conditions. This is why we call it IMC, folks. Who can say that? Meteorological. That's just one of those words that just doesn't make sense when you say it out loud. So IMC, all right, which means they can operate in conditions where visible and cloud cover, uh, sorry, visibility and cloud cover might otherwise restrict VFR operations. What about the training emphasis? Well, obviously, training for night rating involves an understanding of those challenges of night, including the use of lighting systems, which can be solar, it can be PAL, electric, uh, all different sorts there, navigation aids, NDBs, VORs, GNSS, along with human factors that we are affected by at night and in cloud, and maintaining the situational awareness in the absence of natural light. And part of that... Uh, the unique challenges of night flying can range vi- massively. You know, they can vary between where about you're actually doing it. A lot of people will do their night rating in, uh, you know, the big smoke in Janicott, Archerfield, Parafield, Morabin, Bankstown, etc., um, and then come up somewhere like here or go out to country rural settings where there is just miles and miles and miles between the next town and virtually no ambient lighting from a big city lighting system. It's very, very different. All right, the instrument rating, however, training focuses on the proficiency in interpreting and utilising all the aircraft instruments for navigation, your attitude control, performance control, and overall control of the aircraft. And this includes training on precision approaches, your holds, and instrument departures and arrivals. All right, so as far as the regulatory requirements, For night rating, the requirements of obtaining a night rating are typically less extensive than those for an instrument rating. So it often involves a number of night hours and specific training on night operations, which I will get to the hours in a second. Achieving an instrument rating is more a comprehensive process involving, again, minimum number of instrument hours and minimum number of flight hours and specific training on varying instrument approaches which will vary slightly depending on what's available in your local area. And obviously a flight test um, for both of these is required at the end and then flight reviews thereafter. Instrument rating, flight review every year, night rating, flight review every two years. All right, so what about the prerequisites? What do you need to be able to do the two of them? Or night rating or an instrument rating? You just need to have a private pilot's license. You can then either do a night rating, an instrument rating, or you can also do a PIFR or a private instrument rating, which is slightly different. So a night rating is 10 hours training at night with five hours on that particular aircraft type. So if you were to fly a helicopter or something else, you, just, you can use the hours, but you have to have at least five on that platform. Um, you need to have three hours of instrument flight and one hour solo at night. So you will do one hour at the circuit. This wasn't required, um, or it used to be required. They're not required. It's back to being required. So don't get caught out on that one. And that one hour is also used in the instrument rating hours, but I'll get to those. But one of the things I want you to note is that there's only three hours of instrument flying. Two hours of that will have come already from your PPL training. So there's only one extra hour of IF there. Whereas an instrument rating you need your PPL, 50 hours of cross-country flight time, day or night, doesn't matter, 40 hours of instrument flying with a maximum of 20 of those from a flight simulator, and five hours night time, including one hour solo at night. So you can see there's considerably a whole lot more flying being done and training working towards that. Private IFR is half of that, so there's 20 hours, but you need to do uh, adding on what they're called flight procedure authorizations. So, essentially, exactly the same training as an instrument rating. Again, there's no shortcuts here on how to fly in the clouds and the, the poor weather, but it is a little bit more. There's two flight tests. You're just breaking everything down into individual authorizations rather than just doing an instrument rating flight test. All right. So, which one should you get? Well, firstly, notice I didn't mention anything regarding flying at night when I mentioned the instrument rating, and that's because an instrument rating doesn't discriminate against the sun, right? IMC conditions are just that, day or night. Now, there's IMC, and then there's full-on IMC, and there's sort of bright IMC and dark IMC for sure, and there's no doubt that nighttime IMC is the hardest without question, but there's no differentiation. If you can be trained to fly without visual reference, then you're going to be used to it far more than the night rating, which is why an instrument rating will let you fly at night or now under the night VFR. All right, formerly uh, in car five days, there were limitations on this. You had to have converted and didn't this. So I could fly um, a multi-engine aircraft in clouds, but I couldn't fly one at night. And so all that got rectified in the new uh, regs. or the Again, they're not new. They've been around nearly 10 years, but you know what I mean. Um, all right, so there's one extra night hour or one extra IF hour at night training in the night VFR, whereas there is the 40. So for an instrument rating 2 or 10 from your PPL, CPL training, that all counts to that. So there's essentially only 30 left to go or it could be 38 if you've only got a PPL. If you're career focused, there's no doubt instrument rating is clearly the choice unless you're looking at an instructor pathway, of course. However, do not discount the benefit of the night rating beforehand. All right, it is fantastic training which can underpin your instrument rating down the track. However, you know, if you can have any choice, you want to try and do it with an accomplished IFR pilot or instructor that can start bedding in some IFR skills and techniques into you during that initial night VFR uh, training phase. It will go a long way to helping you down the track. A night rating for a private pilot or an aircraft owner is obviously a great tool to have. Its intention is to not fly all night though. It's really there to extend. So remember I mentioned earlier the night visual rules is to extend your daylight hours into early morning or early evening, not really... uh, you know, flying all night, although of course you can, there's nothing stopping you, but I can tell you now being aware of where you've been trained, where you're used to flying and then coming up to somewhere uh, like the Territory or anywhere, you know, remote from big city lighting, it is black, there is nothing and it is a night visual rating. So part of that process is we need to be VMC and you need to have a visual horizon. So trying to do that most nights up here, um, really, really challenging. There there is no horizon. So CASA have been talking about changing the rules and breaks to have a discernible horizon. We actually have to be able to orientate off a horizon, but that hasn't happened yet. But it's just something to really consider. Nothing beats the uh, training and instrument rating. It is fantastic training for your skills It's something you've got to keep up though, just like a night rating, Uh, but just be aware of the pros and cons of either and talk to your instructor all about it and make a good choice and enjoy it. Some fantastic flying can be done at night. Uh, It's just sort of like uh, scuba diving. You go daytime and then you do it in the dark. go night diving. It's just fantastic. I love it. Other people hate it, but um, see what you think and go get involved. Now. An extension of that is taxiing an aeroplane at night. I remember reading a little while ago a question of someone asking whether they can just taxi their aeroplane at night time without a night rating or an instrument rating, obviously. And it was quite an interesting discussion reading what everybody's points of view were. Now, I went to the regs and had a bit of a look, and essentially this is what I uh, came up with. So, as far as the regular, bleh, regulatory, God, I'm having I'm having a good time with my words tonight. Regulatory landscape reflects a balance between operational freedom and ensuring safety. Now, according to subregulation sixty-one point three seven five, paragraph seven of the CASR, because remember, anything rules related to licences and ratings, or the privileges and limitations of licences and ratings, is all CASRs. Right. so a pilot engaging in any activity categorised as an operation at night under the VFR is required to hold either night VFR flight rules or an instrument rating. All right, so you need to have a night VFR rating or an instrument rating. This includes taxing on the ground. So it's right there, black and white. So the rationale behind this regulation, if you know, it makes sense, Night flying introduces complexities that command specialized skills and training. Now, requiring pilots to have either a night rating or instrument rating supposedly ensures they possess the necessary proficiency to navigate and handle challenges during nighttime operations. Now, it could just be turning the lights on. Now, you could argue, do you need to be trained to do that? As long as someone tells you how to do it, then you can turn the lights on. It's not too hard, um, especially if there's PAL lighting. You can do it if they're already on. Well, nothing to do, is there? All right. But the aerodrome lighting, uh, I could tell you people that are trained get it confused enough trying to taxi on blue runway edge or sorry, taxiway edge lighting, thinking it might be center lighting and and partially taxiing off the taxiway, getting confused and disorientated. All sorts of things can happen. Interestingly enough, regulation 61430 or 430 allows pilots to taxi an aircraft if they hold the appropriate category and class rating for that specific aircraft. However, it's crucial to note that this regulation doesn't override the specific requirements of 61.375 paragraph 7 that we uh, read earlier. So this dual requirement underscores the importance of both general aircraft qualifications and holding that night rating. All right, now that has all been cross-checked with CASA and all correct in agreeance, so that's the ultimate ruling there that you just can't do it unless you're rated, all right? Let's uh, finish things up and the uh, process overall for getting yourself current on instrument approaches. Now, i got a message from Nick, and I'll just sort of paraphrase it a little bit. He's like, Okay, hey, Trent. I've uh, been having a discussion with a few mates and instructors about this. I just wanted to see your uh, viewpoint. Someone asked me if they could hire an IFR-capable plane and go practice instrument approaches under the VFR with their instrument rating expired. All right, really good question. The simple answer is yes, you can. Now, if you think about what an instrument approach is, It's a series of waypoints that are orchestrated in a way to tie in with navigating off a specific instrument, being your NDB, VOR, GPS, whatever, CDI, azimuth, 2D, 3D, and bring you down to a runway. So if it's 8.8s blue or VMC conditions, you can fly your airplane anywhere within the law, and that could happen to tie in with, a sequence of waypoints leading into an airfield, so it is absolutely fine. Um, and if you listen to some of my IFR uh, episodes throughout, then I actually suggest that that you could fly an ILS in a Cessna one five two if it had an ILS receiver um, in VFR conditions. Now the thing is that typically an ILS is going to coincide with air traffic control. Um, but, again, if you call them up or tell them, hey, I just want to do a VMC, VFR practice ILS approach and have a go, then you can do that. But you need to know what you're doing. If you're going to comply with that approach, you're going to tell them you're doing that approach. This is where the, the sort of the gotcha comes in, that you can't just be going out VFR and having a crack at these things. You have to have been trained and understand what to do because you need to be still in the navigation tolerances and in specific spot. But if it was a uh, RMP approach out in the sticks and you wanted to have a go, you could do that. But again, you need to know what you're doing so that you're not descending when you shouldn't be or outside the tolerances. Uh, I was just looking at the 146 uh, ATSB report the other day where they descended five miles before the top of the descent point. I see this all the time. This is the considerations of when you're doing these uh, visual approaches. But you can practice approaches in daytime. It's not a problem at all. The whole point of flying a published procedure, an instrument approach in IMC, in an instrument-rated aircraft, that's when the restrictions come in. You must be current to do it in anger, as we say, or in IMC conditions. VMC conditions within common sense you can go and practice approaches you can get yourself current in approaches if you don't have access to a flight simulator that is absolutely a way to do it and uh, something i encourage people to do when they uh, go out and about especially when they're coming back empty or whatever else great time to practice an approach and just maintain your proficiency that way all right guys so hopefully that uh sorts everything out there and answers all your questions all right guys thank you so much for listening and uh, your support this year it would appear that next monday is christmas day and then the monday after that is new year's day so we'll see how we go i'll try and get one out new year's day otherwise there might be a two-week break plenty of time to catch up on old episodes and uh, get some study in but i will be back on uh, either new year's day or monday the 8th of january at the latest I look forward to seeing you for the third year of Flight Training Australia podcast. Merry Christmas to you all. Be safe. I hope you get some epic pilot gear and aviation gear for Christmas. Uh, Have a great time with family, friends. If you go flying, stay safe. And always, always, always remember the golden rule, aviate, navigate, communicate. All right, cheers, everyone.